following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys And now, your hosts, Brian Broadus, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kyle Yeomans, and David Hellman. It is Thursday, March the 3rd. Welcome in, speaking of 3rd, the 3rd and final episode of the Draft Show here from the Indianapolis Convention Center. And fellas, joined once again, Kyle Yeomans, Dane Brugler. Uh, I've been harping on it all week, but the irony, uh, we're going to finish putting this show in the can, and then we're going to run off to finally watch the quarterbacks and the wide receivers begin the on-field portion of the 2022 NFL Combine. Long time coming, am I right? Yeah, it feels like we've been here a month. And yeah. <laughs> uh, now we finally get to see some stuff on the field. But, no, this is, uh, you know, there's so much work that goes into the week that we've already done. Um, and now kind of the the fruits of our labor, we get to see these guys actually on the field and perform. And uh, we start with a bang with the quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends. So, uh, you know, I know I'm excited to see Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, uh, you know, the top two quarterbacks. I'm excited to see some of these receivers. You know, how does – how does Traylon Burks run uh, coming in at 225 pounds? How does, you know, the gauntlet is uh, so much fun to watch with these these receivers, these tight ends. So a lot to look forward to tonight. Is is this one of your favorite groups to watch, or is there one that you like in terms of drills that, that stands out other than yeah, pass you know, catchers? I love all my children. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes you have favorites. Uh, but, no, I because uh, uh, it, it's – as soon as this that night's over and we go into tomorrow, some, you know, I want to see the big uglies, the offensive linemen, uh, and that's really helpful to see these guys move. Even though they don't have pads on, you know, they don't have a helmet on, it's just it's good to see them move in space, the movement skills, uh, you know, their hips, their uh, their fluidity, their change of direction. Um, that's so helpful um, just from a context perspective as we try to paint the most accurate picture of who these guys are. I'm so happy you used the phrase big ugly because <laughs> let me tell you something. Evan Neal out of Alabama mm, at 6'7", 6'7", 350. Yeah. Uh, not, not the case. Not big or ugly. He's out there looking like a damn, maybe a tight end. I don't know. Like, that yeah. is the sveltest 6'7", 350-pound <laughs> man I've ever seen in my life. Well, and he's down to, like, 335, Oh, okay. He's, yeah. he's lost some weight. <laughs> uh, you, would, you would think he's 290, though. Where's Brian, where's Brian brought us to say, yeah, like throwing a deck chair off the Titanic. <laughs> yep. That's that, what that well, that's what like. it looked like. He pulled up, and it, it looked like he could go be running routes today. Yeah, it did. And it instead, did. I mean, uh, people were pulling up shirtless pictures of, of Tyron Smith, mm-hmm. like, from training camp and comparing the two of them, saying, like, the, the lean side of it. It's not a bad loss of weight. If no. anything, it's pretty encouraging to see what he could potentially do there. He, he's been working with Duke Manyweather um, uh, in Frisco. Uh, shout, friend of the show. Shout yeah, out nice. Duke. Uh, to really get his weight down a little bit, get in peak performance mode. And uh, I think it's, you know, the tape is, watching the tape, he's at 350 plus. 
So, you know, it's what's his comfortable weight? Is it going to be 350? Is it going to be what he's at now? Is it going to be somewhere in between? So, um, you know, it's um, that that's part of the process with him is understanding what his best playing weight is. Is that the biggest shock that you anticipated throughout the week so far was him walking up? Mine might have been seeing Iki Aquanu up at the stage for the first time and seeing him in person. That dude's yeah. a mountain he's of a man. Special. He is. He, he's the build, the and, and then when he opens his mouth, then you you know he how articulate he oh, is, how, how smart and sharp he is. Just an awesome guy to you know talk to, and and that wasn't a surprise because I've you know I've talked with him before, and you know I've always been impressed. But yeah, Icky, um, you know Evan Neal, some of these other offensive linemen, uh, you know I thought they they came here and they interviewed well, and tomorrow it'll be fun to see them on the field. On you know we won't see Evan Neal on the field, but uh, some of these other guys are working out. We were joking this morning people bring up Tyron Smith and like at this point the guys that are going to go in this draft were kids when Tyron Smith was a prospect right. know, none of us wants to hear that <laughs> he was one of the the buzzwords around the the area yesterday when the tight ends were up there it was George Kittle and then the wide receivers it was Debo Samuel who do you model your game after right. almost every prospect here probably answers that question today a lot of the answers were Tyron Smith Zach Martin. Yep. If you were talking to a tackle, you were most likely hearing Tyron Smith. If you were talking to a guy who had a little position flex or was a guard, it was most likely Zach Martin. Yep. A lot of those guys. Tyron, that, that, uh, his combine, that was my first uh, ever combine. Uh, was it 2011? 2011, Yeah, man. that was my first ever combine because I, I sat next to um, four kids and a couple of moves yeah. ago. <laughs> Who's the former Cowboys offensive line coach? Um, uh, he's the niche. Um, oh, Hudson Howe? Yes. I, yeah. sat, I sat next to him on the plane, and he had this big binder. And, you know, I'm at, at that point, I'm, you know, this young kid not, not knowing anything. And he's flipping through the binder, and he's got a whole sheet on Tyron Smith. And, you know, we, we talked for a little bit about, you know, this, this, this you know, svelte blocker from US, uh, USC, a young player that was really good. And, yeah, that was my first introduction to what the combine was going to be. So that's a that's a crazy memory. Dane was telegraphing picks even back in 2011. Yep. How, How about, about that? that? He's the kingmaker. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, and we've we've talked a decent amount about Iki Aquanu yeah. over this week. Evan Neal, we've talked about. It. I feel like maybe not as much. I'm curious with with Tyron's name flying around. And a lot of people see Neal as as the number 1 overall pick in this draft. Sure. Depending on who you talk to. Is it is it that rare type of athleticism, the the idea of, like, this guy doesn't even look like a tackle? Is that what makes him appealing as a prospect more so than maybe other guys? Yeah, I, I think that, first of all, you watch the tape, and you see, okay, this guy's pretty darn good. Um, and then you start to find out more about him and how he was the number one guy on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, you know, his annual put together all the most athletic dudes that just do rare things. And he's number one, okay? Well, that, that tells you something right there. Um, and then you come here, they combine, and you, you talk to them, and you see the body type and everything, and you know, just, you, you're adding more pieces to the puzzle. Um, I, and I think you're right. I think this, where we sit right now, with the information that we have, I think that the number one overall pick will come down to uh, one of these two offensive linemen, Evan Neal, Iki Aquanu. Mm. One of those two. With what we know right now. Now, could things change here in the next few weeks? Sure. But with where we are right now, it seems like those two guys are the most likely uh, candidates for the Jaguars at number one. One of the things with Evan Neal that he was knocked for was kind of his lateral movement, his side-to-side, his mm -hmm. overall athleticism and movement skills. With him slimming down, and he even said it, I mean, we were just talking about Tyron Smith. He was one that said, Tyron Smith is who I model my game after, and Larry Allen was my favorite player <laughs> of all time. So 
he's got some some high expectations for himself so. as an athletic tackle, though. With that being said, do you feel like him slimming down could certainly help his draft stock if, if that's ultimately the case and he shows that throughout the drills this week? Uh, perhaps, um, but I think we have to go back to uh, you know what I mentioned earlier. What's his ideal playing weight? You know, yeah. It's great that he got down the 336 or whatever he is. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow. He'll actually get officially measured tomorrow. Um, but, what, you know, is he going to put 15 pounds back on when it's time to, you know, go play? And, you know, how is that going to translate uh, So what he does here? Uh, but, you know, actually he's not going to work out here. So, um, you know, he's going to wait till his pro day. So there's is, that. Is anyone, is anyone going to, like, I just. <sighs> we'll see. At this point, that's just pessimistic Dave I was going to say, I hate to sound jaded. <laughs> and, I, look, I mean. Well, I, you know, it's uh, no Tyler Linderbaum. Um, yeah, he had a foot injury who he was actually going to go play at the senior bowl. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. He was actually going to go play at the Senior Bowl, but he suffered a minor injury in the in the bowl game. So uh, pass on the Senior Bowl. Won't be working out here. Uh, he will be doing the bench, though. Uh, he could uh, maybe put up a, a good number uh, in, in the bench press, so that'll be interesting. But I think Icky's working out, though, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, so he said I, he's doing everything. No, this, there, there are some guys. This, and look, yeah. chance for him to, you know, to, hey, this is why I should be the number one overall pick. You know, he's going to crush the interviews. We know that. Yep. And this is his chance to to really go out there and uh, and perform. You you quote tweeted me today about how it, hey it sounds yeah. like a number one overall pick and that that stock continues to grow is today today help him out I'm guessing it doesn't hurt him you know yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a process and so um, I think Icky came into uh, the week as a guy that should be considered one of the best players in this draft and now it's up to the Jaguars at number one to figure <laughs> out which one do we like the most so I, and he's in the conversation I know that. Pretty good problem to have if you're Jacksonville. It's not a bad problem, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they won't work out until Saturday. With uh, no, tomorrow, I'm, tomorrow. No, 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 I'm, I'm, so I was. Yes, I could have introduced that better. The running backs talked today. They'll, they're working out Saturday, are they not? Tomorrow, Friday. We've got, I, I'm an idiot. Yes. Thank so God court, for Dane. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends tonight. <laughs> t- uh, tonight being oh, Thursday. God. Okay. I, I don't feel bad anymore. I, I feel like I've been through a time warp, to yeah. be honest with you. I told somebody it was Wednesday earlier today. <laughs> Regardless, the the running backs talked this morning. Mm-hmm. And I, so, Kyle, you, you, you reminded me how to tease things on yesterday's show. Nice. I, in my brain, I, I hate to say it, I, I kind of been writing this running back class off a little bit. It okay. just doesn't seem that sexy. But in our next segment, we had a chance to talk to Will McClay and he he was gushing about these guys and so like do i need to revisit this and maybe you don't glean things from interviews but okay like i i know i know all about um Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State like sure. that uh, Brees Hall out of Iowa State sure. there's a few guys that stand out to me but i don't know down the line like am i not am i not giving this running back class enough credit uh for being maybe exciting even if it's not super top heavy well and we touched on it a little yesterday on, on yesterday's show how the the depth on day 3 you know we threw out guys like Abram Smith and um you know the kid from FIU and there there's uh, i think a lot of options i mean i think it's running back even if we don't have a first round guy there's every year there's running back that you can find and that can come in and be productive. You know, the, the Chris Carsons of the world who are seventh-round picks but then come in and are, are more than just contributors. They're, they're guys that help you win football games. Uh, this year, not any different. I, I do think it's important, though, for, say, like a Kenneth Walker. How does he catch the ball? You know, he just wasn't asked to do that uh, at Michigan yeah. State. So I want to see him catch the football. Brees Hall today, uh, the running back from Iowa State, he said that 
uh, you're all going to be surprised when you see me run my 40. I know a lot of guys say that, but Brees Hall, <laughs> that's, hey, you're going to call your shot. Let's, let's, uh, let's see what it is. So, um, you know, I think once we get past that first five guys at running back, guys that probably go on day two, there's a lot of interesting names. You know, like if, if I can get a James Cook out of Georgia in the fourth yeah. round, you know, that's that's an explosive player who can so – I can split them out. You know, we know how much, uh, you know, the Cowboys love versatile running backs who can also be pass catchers. And that's what you got with a James Cook. You know, uh, motion him out wide, let him run routes. He can do that. He's got the ball skills. So I, I think this running back class got some juice. And I don't think you're alone in that fact of saying this running back class isn't one of those top priorities for you to look at in that regard. Sure. Because Cowboys fans certainly think of it that way. You've got Tony Pollard. You've got Ezekiel Elliott. Even with some of the the – I guess disappointment that you had from that position this past year, you still feel like the Cowboys as a front office aren't going to do anything there, right? Well, and but I think it not so much though. I'm going that. I'm yeah, going that direction. It was, it was a question we had on the show yesterday, yep. and maybe so. Maybe I should be more excited about it than I am because they're not going to spend a top sixty pick on a running back. Right. Yeah, but. Well, this is a draft to not need a top 60 yeah, pick on absolutely. a running back. Can I interest you in a Snoop Connor from Ole Miss? Yes. Just because of I the mean, name. Just, I'm just, just the name but you're in. Also, well, he's a dump, he's a dump truck. I yeah, mean, he, he will bowl you over. Yeah, I'm all about that. I say, yeah, SEC West boy, you know what you, who that is. Look, I, I, I watch tape. I try to do my homework. But, like, if you play in the SEC West, yeah. I, I know. You know who you I are. Know, I know about you. Well, now, he's, he's number three in Ole Miss history in rushing touchdowns, one ahead of uh, Archie ooh. Manning. So, he's not bad. Goodness. And yeah. in talking to the these running backs today, it confirmed that Isaiah Spiller has had a, a formal meeting with the Cowboys. He talked with Mike McCarthy, didn't have Kellen Moore in the room, but he had a really good meeting apparently, and they had had a connection with him earlier. Jerome Ford, a guy from Cincinnati who was at the Senior Bowl, they've had interactions back in Mobile. I don't know if they've done anything here yet, but I mean, at least throughout the draft process, they've had their eye. Rashad White, Arizona State is another guy who has had a formal with the Cowboys as well. Going back to what we were talking about yesterday, I, Dane, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to be an offensive-heavy draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course there are things you need to think about on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, but, uh, yeah, all down the line I can just see them. And I'm, I'm, I kind of roll my eyes at the interview stuff, but I am – I'm I'm encouraged and intrigued by the idea of like spending some of your 45 formal interviews on a sure. running back. Yeah, I know it is interesting. Um, and at what point is it okay? You know, yeah. at what point do you feel comfortable making that move? At what point does it not make the Cowboys <laughs> media and fan base <laughs> right. freak the hell out? Yep. Right. Yeah. I would say the fourth round. But at the same time, if yeah, you spend the top 100 pick, I don't know if. Okay, but if you're in the third round and say you've got a second round grade on, uh, you know, Isaiah Spiller, how enticing is that? If if he's your only second round grade left on your board and you're picking the third round, eh, all of a sudden it's enticing. I'm just already daydreaming about Isaiah Spiller just dusting the backups in a preseason game, and everybody's like, "This guy's got more juice than Zeke," yep. and we're like, "Yeah, well, Zeke makes seventeen million dollars a year, so there's only so much we can." Oh, I'm just, I'm already excited about the drama. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Season. It's coming. Oh man! All right, look, this we usually just banter on this show, but we've got a special treat today, so we're gonna take an early break. We got Will McClay. Heck yeah! Let's I go. like credit to him. I can't stress enough, and it, we sat. It was a great conversation. Will gave us about 25 minutes of his time during one of the busiest weeks of his year. Uh, it's good stuff, and we'll have it for you right after this break. 
At Smoothie King, we are blending goodness to fuel your greatness. Every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Football season is almost over, and that means tax season is here. With it comes taxiety. Filing taxes can be stressful if you choose the wrong partner. Don't let taxiety take over this tax season. Liberty Tax will help you get your largest possible refund or your money back. With more than 12,000 tax professionals nationwide, help is always around the corner. Check out Liberty Tax, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Schedule an appointment today at libertytax.com slash cowboys. Liberty Tax, a brighter way to do taxes. Hey, Cowboys. Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Welcome back to the Draft Show. Guys, th- this is this is exciting. This is really cool. Oh, I mean, yeah. we are so without further ado, we are joined by Cowboys Executive Vice President of Player Personnel, Will McClay. Will, you've always been very generous with your time after the draft or before the draft. To be sitting down with you at Combine Week, uh, I can't tell you how much that means because you are you are one busy man, my friend. How well, you doing? You better be glad you got good co-hosts with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't do it for me. So, and I actually, I want to start with that. If you're listening to this show, you know what the Combine's all about. You know why we're here. You know what is happening. But I would love it. And, and I mean, if you want to tell us who you're talking to, that would be great. But in... Even if you don't want to, as vaguely as possible, I would love it if you could take us through the last 24 hours of your week in terms of what you've been doing, hopping between meetings, fielding calls from the Jones family, fielding calls from Mike McCarthy, talking to prospects. Just what is a day in the life of Will McClay look like at the combine? The new combine structure is to make the player experience better, but it doesn't make it better for everybody else. So, you know, like yesterday, we started at i want to say nine o'clock and so you have these 20 minute block uh, interview formals with the players and then that was until i think we went until 12 and then i had uh with steven and adam and todd we had agent meetings till five grabbed a quick bike to eat and then we had interviews starting from seven last night going through to 11. Went back to uh, my room and watched a little bit of tape and tried to kind of put some things in order and went to sleep and we we're back up here. We had eight o'clock interviews today. 
I'm interested in in the interview process that that you guys go through. Mm-hmm. Every team is different. We've heard some of the stories kind of surfacing. I mean, the Eagles were shooting buckets, yeah. or whatever it ended up being. Is there anything out of the ordinary that you guys do from a an interview standpoint when you get a player in the room and, and how you want to test them uh, or get to know them a little bit better? I think, like you said, everybody's got their unique approach. What we try and do is there's the area scout who knows the guy best is in the room. We have the national scout that's you know the over the top guy and we'll have uh, our coaches in there and so we let the coaches lead the interview because they're trying to get to know them a little bit more and so um, you know they go through and we'll ask them questions and we typically try to stay on the point of making the guy comfortable because we want to find out as much as we possibly can about them in those 15 18 minutes that they give us so that's the key and and we think the best way to do that is make a guy comfortable make him talk and we're going to hit him with some of the issues or concerns that we have but give them their opportunity to see if the information we've gathered matches maybe what they're representing is there kind of a a a formula a system that you guys go by in terms of who you want to talk to in combine week and then who else you want to talk to throughout the draft process, maybe in the 30-day visits and something of the sort? We kind of try and sprinkle it through. Like if you're, you know, positions of need and you need all these positions, but we may try and sprinkle in some of the early, mid, late rounds at some of those positions. But then guys at other positions, because you don't know, like last year, you don't know how that board's going to go. So there are people that maybe have some things that we like that we may want to find out a little bit more about will go there or if like if a player's completely clean and all the information's good we will maybe will talk though talk to those informals and then we'll decide who we're going to bring in, in the 30 visit there's so much information here um at the combine i'm interested you know you've been coming to the combine for a lot of years now how has your perception of some of this all this data all this information has it changed at all maybe you valued one drill more so at a certain time and then over the years you started to value a different drill i mean has, how was the combine you know your evolu- evolution of the combine and your perception of all these drills all the data how has that changed um it's changed just from a standpoint of it, it, it all still starts with the tape and then you want to confirm what's on the tape i just mm-hmm. there's different things at different positions what i like to do is i try and look at all the movements at the different positions and break them down and then score guys on those different movements and then if there's something that's different kind of go back to the tape and see if that's what it is as far as the different data um you know it'll be interesting when you get all of it uh you know and how you process it and really we always look for information to confirm you know our our, our thoughts or well, maybe we need to look at that a little bit more. You kind of touched on this a minute ago, and just and no two prospects are the same, right? Like you're going to have to do more homework on some guys. Some guys are going to be clean. But over the next month or so, so let me see if I have this right. I mean, pro days start pretty soon after this is over. You're going to start bringing guys in or talk. Are you all going to be able to bring guys to the facility? Yes, we can bring guys into the facility. Yeah. Uh, will you have a Dallas day this year? Yes, we should have a Dallas Day this year. Still waiting to confirm that, but we've got a Dallas Day this year where we get to see the local guys. And then early, mid-April, you kind of get in a room and put the board together? Yes. So with all of that stuff still to come, in general, how complete do you feel like a grade is on a player when the combine's over? Like how much work is to be done in general in terms of like determining how you feel about guys? Um I think you have a general feeling, and now you want to confirm. It's like you go on five, eight, ten, fifteen dates, however many it is, so you decide who you, you know, want to spend the rest of your life with, or at least four to five years. So we want to try and 
get more information just to confirm it because things are continually coming in. You're finding out more about them. You have a general area that you want to put them in. Now it's because of our collaborative process and including the coaches, now we say, okay, who do we collectively like? And there's got to be points in the process where you can get in front of this person, that person, that person, then let's get together and come up with our complete thoughts. With the last couple of years going off of that same fact, not having certain pieces to that puzzle, not having the combine one year, pro days two years mm-hmm. ago, how much more do you feel like that complete picture is made in a year like this where it's more back to normal? Well, you know, back to Dave's point, like you get you get all this information. Sometimes you can have too much information and talk yourself out of or into something. Gotcha. Um, so we kind of take the pieces that are most important to us and kind of go through the filter and scrub the filter and make sure we see it all the same way. And uh, adding the expertise of other people within our organization, you know, we, our, our, our uh, mental health, our um, performance, uh, you know, player programs, who also have more experience in dealing with these players. The, the unique part about the scouting profession to me is we go out and we gather information on guys, okay? And that's told to us from people about people. Now we have to figure out from our people how they fit in with the people that are on our team so that's the i think that's the finishing part of the process we can all look at how fast they run their angles you know what system they come from all that and then how do they fit but you also got to figure out how the people are going to fit in with the people that you have obviously every position is different but do you have a favorite drill here at the combine uh, you know I, you look at different drills for different positions but is there one drill that you really like more than others um i think each drill tells you something. I mean, that's what it, you know, and we've changed some drills. There are going to be some drills that have, you know, you've seen in the past that are now pulled out. Each drill tells you something. And um, as far as a favorite one, I, it's probably cruel. One of my favorite ones is like watching the DBs. And I was a DB. We can't catch when they did the gauntlet <laughs> drill. Um, yeah. Because you never know what you're going to get from right. that. Um, but I like watching the receivers, the guys that have to, touch the ball and you know play make catches going through the gauntlet the ball where's the ball coming from watching their eyes track seeing if they're weaving off the line or not seeing how quickly they catch it and put it away and get the other that's hand-eye coordination that's one of my favorite ones because at least that's a movement that without pads you can see that natural skill set come out did Trayvon run that drill a couple years yeah he did yeah need to run it well Pretty well yes. I don't yes. think you get 11 picks if you can't handle the gauntlet right. pretty yeah. well. But it's just natural. I mean, it's like there's some guys that you look here and they pick up the ball. Now, as soon as they turn their head, you see upper body stiffness. You see something that, oh, that explains why that was an issue on tape. Wow. You know, that's kind of the way that I look at it. So this is about as interesting a January as I can remember in terms of, like, what's next in the sense that, you know, the season ends, whatever it was, the 16th. Mm. We're waiting and seeing on Dan Quinn. And we waited into February to see if Kellen Moore would be back. What What is that like from your perspective in terms of that continuity is so important to you all in terms of what you're looking for, who you want to talk to, who stands out to you? And now, surprisingly, in my opinion, with both of them back in the fold, how much does that help y'all? I mean, we talked so much last year about Dan and these long DBs mm-hmm. and, and what he's looking for. How much does it help you 
that you don't have to change those parameters and, and you're working with the same guys again? It just keeps consistency in your process. Um, and, and that's what you have to strive for. I think one of the things I learned early on doing this is our job is to find good football players. And, you know, you go out and you evaluate them, you say what they can do and they can't do, but then they have to fit into the certain way that you operate. But uh, you don't want to discount guys because you're, you know, if they're good football players, they're good football players. Um, the, the, the biggest thing is that there is consistency in what we're looking for and what we're trying to do and a better understanding of that because Dan plays defense a little bit differently than Rod did or Mike Nolan did and his explanation defensively as to how he uses players. Well, that opens up our eyes kind of more as to what to look for. And the longer you're in that system, the more you find those players. I'm not going to say in the top part of the draft, but it's in, you know, the middle parts of the draft and in free agency. That's where you make your home runs and you build your depth of the team. Is there a part of you like when when you hear he's back or, or Kellen, for that matter, it seems like you have really good relationships with both. You're just like, oh, thank God. Like, there's not going to be a new coach in here just scrapping oh, yeah. everything we've been working on. Yes, because, you know, different systems are going to come in and they're going to want different things. And so, you know, you might have drafted this guy and felt good about him or he's shown progress. And Like, for example, um, Xavier Woods. Loved Xavier coming out and the whole deal. We had a system he didn't fit in, and he became a free agent. And then his value for us wasn't as high, but he was a really good football player. Well, I believed in Xavier Woods. It's kind of tough. Had a career game against the Cowboys. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he let me know about it, too. So even with all the consistency that you guys have from a coaching staff standpoint, there still feels like there's a lot of holes to fill from a roster standpoint, mm -hmm. at least more so than even past off seasons. Uh, where do you feel like that is headed at the moment? Is there any kind of position that you look at more than other that, that weighs differently? Or where does this offseason as a whole kind of compare to ones that you've had in the past as well? It's just a little different because we have 21 guys that are free agents and you got a bunch of different opinions and we had a decent year. It wasn't a great year. We didn't end up where we were supposed to you know, end up. So, um, you know, you have those players that are leaving and you have to replace them. And there's only so much in the cap that you, you know, can deal with. So you got to look at where's the strength of the draft? Where's the strength of free agency? Where, what's it going to cost? So it's just another um, journey in the building of the Cowboys. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. Without giving too much away, uh, the, a meeting with the Cowboys, a formal meeting here at the Combine, are you more interested in finding out uh, about football IQ, about the person himself, about, I mean, I, I know it's all the above, but, you know, what, are you, what is the main focus that you want to come away from those interviews uh, thinking about the player? Um, it's, it's who the person is, you know, because in 15 minutes you're not going to get and because they're so coached now, yeah. these kids come in the you know they've, you know they've somebody they've been with somebody that says okay this front is this and they, when you got from the school that they didn't know what that front was or what that protection was and they come in here and they spit it off like that, so there's a little bit of coaching that goes into that but it's it's who the person is at least getting a feel from that and you know we do some personality stuff and a lot of different things to go okay is that that test that they took does that give us enough information to say okay this is who the guy is how he fits in or is there something a little off but you want to find out if they love football and you know as much as you can within that short amount of time frame but that 18 20 minutes shouldn't kill a player and it shouldn't vault a player because it's a complete process of the work i know we uh, you get this one a lot i don't care i still think it's interesting just in your time could be a guy y'all wound up drafting or not 
in those formals, somebody that stands out to you where like everyone was just like, holy crap, this guy's awesome? Um, Zach Martin. Um, Hall of Famer. That, tra- that tracks well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dak, um, just in the, you know, in the different exposures you had to him. I think when they are, and when you have multiple opportunities to visit with somebody and they continually are who they are and you uh, find another character trait that makes you think that this guy's going to fulfill his potential. I'm not, I'm not vain. And I mean, I know y'all don't pay super strict attention to all the stuff that we say, but it all, it all does kind of blend together to some degree, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I would love your take because the narrative flying around here throughout this whole process so far is like, yeah, there's talent in this class, but it's it's not sexy. It's not this star-studded class with all these great quarterbacks. Maybe we don't know how we feel about these quarterbacks. What do you think of that narrative? And, and particularly at the top, maybe the top 50, 60 prospects, what, what do you think about that? How do you feel about this group? I think there's certain positions that if you are looking for a player there, you have options at different levels uh, that could potentially come in and at least be a contributor on a team and build there are some positions that they're a little light you know it's like the quarterback position we don't know who's going to come out from this group and be that next great guy but there's not as many names at least that we know right now that you guys do the work on and you see and you hear and college football tells about but there's there there may not be as uh, as much depth there but there's more running backs I, i feel like there's a, a good depth of offensive linemen, you know, there's a certain number of tackles that I think we're five to eight more on our ideal ideal board right now than last year. So I think as you go through it, it kind of always changes. Is there a certain position this year that you think is stronger than others? Anything stand out to you like that? Um, stronger than others. I think there's – I think you're seeing um, – an evolution of because of the way the college game is played, there's more edge rushers now, different shape, shape sizes, yeah. you know, that you can go through. There's a lot of – there's more longer corners. Um, and the receiver group, there's there's going to be five or six freaks that come out of this deal. that you know <laughs> Every and, year. And the game is changing so much. It's not uh, – you know, be, the NFL is adopting more of the college game, so the, you see those guys come and have an impact sooner and at different levels. We used to always say that, well, you got to get a, you know, a receiver that can play in the NFL in the first round. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon. No, I, I mean, don't think it is. Obviously, Gallup, but, I mean, you know, the Van Jeffersons of the world – the Nicole Hardmans, just like, and just the way the game is played right now. I mean, that just seems like something that's going to continue until the, the trends shift away from what it is right now. Yeah, right? The, the college game is different. We say the college game, and the NFL game is different because of the spacing, because of the way that they play. Well, because of the rules and things now, you're getting some of that in the NFL. Um, you know, you think about the mobile quarterbacks and you know the 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 change of pace running backs and the different positions. It's more of a space game now, so players who can create or close space are more valuable. Love how I didn't even bring up Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup, third yeah, third round pick. You know, he's pretty good. Yeah. Does that change the way that you scout the need for receivers because there is such an abundance of them, not only in the draft but in the NFL that could be out there free agency wise? As you, I mean, you have a couple free agents of your own on the roster. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got a, you know, you have an offensive system. You have, you know, things that you're looking to put in place. But 
uh, you know, Coach McCarthy's got this saying, that, and it's very valid, and it's refreshing to hear from a scouting standpoint. If a guy has skills and he can do something, if our system can't accommodate that, then, you know, there's something wrong with our system. You know, there's a, if that's the case, then sometimes your playbook is this big. But if you can find a way to use a space player or, you know, and you can actually show us that, then, you know, there's a value in that guy. But we've got to use him that way as well. I know he's a draft guy, but at the same time, that makes us oh. draft guys just – beaming I, hearing you I can say hear that. like everybody's heart swelling when oh, they hear that you 100%. know yeah and you know it, it's like for me and, and you know I look at Dane stuff I look at you know whatever people say there's 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 half truths in everything my dad used to say and so you look at it and it, like your perspective might bring to light something that I may not see so but everybody's got their own flavor now at the end of the day are we going to use that skill set does it fit and what's the value for that skill set which this this plays into something I feel like I can hear Cowboy fans shouting at me to ask you. I have to do it. Is it coincidence, positional value, bad luck, whatever reason you want to say as to why the Cowboys haven't invested a big pick in a safety in God knows how long? Um, I think there's oftentimes when you pick and you say you have a value for a guy. We want the guys that you like. Typically, we want to, but they're gone by the time we get a chance to pick them. I mean, I'm not going to – you can't force it. And uh, the safety position and its change because there was a different value back in one period of time in the NFL, the safety wasn't valued as high. And then it became a big deal, and then it's not valued as high, and then it's a big deal, okay? Safety's now got to cover tight ends. they got to cover running backs with the way that the game is played. And so you might love them in college. Oh, hey, this guy's great, da, da, da. We don't – may not have that – opinion or impression of him based on what you do and the skill set but uh it is a value it's, a, it's become a more valuable position now with the amount of sub that you play uh with uh the injury like there's not a lot of linebackers so it'd be great to find safeties that can play down in the box and do some of the roles because you play so much sub defense so the value of the safety changes now you think and i think of jaron when you bring that up is is that Kind of like what we were talking about with receiver. Like, are we trending in that direction where that, like, guys like that are becoming more valuable players than maybe they might have been? Yeah, it, it, depending upon what you do, yes, that, I think they become more valuable. And then how you play defense. You brought up J. Ron. Well, he was a safety and, and that that was a special team safety that did some things and had packages and roles, and he only played X amount, uh, you know, percentage time when he got to the league. He's a good player. You turn on the tape, you see a skill set, and then you see how that skill set fits into your defense. And then you use them that way, and then you get a byproduct of that. And, and the, the, the evolution of safeties, to me, a lot of safeties come in, and because of the NFL game being different than the college game, they make their stones first on special teams. And then they fill a role. You know, on your, you draft, There's been several safeties drafted high that haven't made an impact. Very right? True. So. Yeah. It's the value. Speaking on safety in a position that may not be as valued as some of those other premium spots in the draft, and you mentioned offensive line earlier, what part of the draft class do you feel like is stronger at this point in the process? Offensive tackle, interior offensive line, is there one that kind of sticks out between the the more detailed side of the offensive line to you guys at, the, at this point? I think there's a lot of – tackles that can move inside so i think the depth of the tackle um, group makes the interior offensive line better 
because you can move those guys down. And typically, they're better athletes than the guards. And with the athleticism of the defensive linemen and length and all that other stuff, I think that the, the, the depth of the tackle makes the interior depth better. Does that, does that position flex play into, or how much do you value that whenever you're talking to some of these guys and you're evaluating their film and their tape? You, you have to now. It's, it's extremely important because you're, you know, you're only allowed to dress out you know, uh, 48 on game day and, and the injury and the flexibility of players. Um, I think that, and it, it's hard to do. Now, there's some guys that, ju- that are just tackles, but the flexibility gives you, you know, flexibility on your team in case of injuries and all those things, which is very valid now when you talk about a cap and you talk about 10 to 12 players taking up so much of your cap. It's the flexibility of, of, of players that help you have depth and, and consistency on your team. Anything else, Dan? Good. Well, I mean, I would keep you here all damn yeah, day, but I, I think to. this is like your one break before the meetings and the drills start before up again. Before the drills start, yeah, I got to yeah. get something all to right, eat. All right, go, go get something <laughs> to eat. I I, like I said, man, I can't tell you how much we appreciate the time during one of the most hectic weeks of the draft schedule. Thank you so much for coming on. And I will say this on air. I appreciate the way that all you guys do your work. Even though I give you a hard time, i got great respect for Dana Wade because – Being in my profession, okay, we're like, oh, these dudes don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Because, you know, there's people that come up and go, oh, what about this guy? But when you do the work and you have an opinion that, that, you know, it's it's, it's called group sourcing. I'm a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and let's figure out what the answer is. I'm clipping I don't really look at you because it's because LSU. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got an LSU tattoo. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm still clipping that thought. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Appreciate it so much. Will McClay, we will be right back after this break. Football season is almost over, and that means tax season is here. With it comes Taxiety. Filing taxes can be stressful if you choose the wrong partner. Don't let Taxiety take over this tax season. Liberty Tax will help you get your largest possible refund or your money back. With more than 12,000 tax professionals nationwide, help is always around the corner. Check out Liberty Tax, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Schedule an appointment today at libertytax.com slash cowboys. Liberty Tax, a brighter way to do taxes. Hey, Cowboys. Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. This is Chad Hennings, former cowboy and proud veteran of the United States Air Force. When my fellow military veterans choose VA, they receive life-changing benefits from the Department of Veterans Affairs. If you are a veteran, you may be eligible for health care, education, and training benefits, a home loan guarantee, housing assistance, and more. Choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov to learn more. That's choose.va.gov. 
This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Wrapping up our final draft show of the week and our final obligation before we can finally watch some drills. Mm-hmm. Dane, I promise I'm going to get you out of here quickly. <laughs> it's not Twitter on the 20. What would you call this? Twitter on the 40? Twitter, Twitter, Twitter on the 40. Third, 40, 40. third segment, whatever it is. I love I love getting the fans involved in the show. Y'all are what make it successful. So we want to get to some of your questions. And actually, this is this is fitting. Going back to what we were saying about Talking to running backs, Kyle, you were talking about the guys they've had formal interviews with. I haven't heard anything about formals, but I do know, and, and this is the a fun part that maybe we don't talk about enough. Like, you get your 45 formals, and then everybody else, it's a free-for-all. You can, from, from 8 to 11 at night or in the morning, you can interview as many guys as you want informally yeah. during like a two- or three-hour stretch. And from everyone I've ever talked to, it's just a free-for-all where like you're like, you come here like we're gonna train get you station? after this yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I think they moved it out of the train station Did and they? into the stadium they this need year to. Yeah. yeah it's it's wild wild west i would give anything to watch that but oh just right. to be a fly on the wall oh, for those God. conversations there's, oh, there's some awesome. he- heated uh, heated conversations in that situation yeah. it's a uh, this is a rambling introduction but i have heard at least informally the cowboys have been talking to down the line quarterbacks mm. not not the sexy guys not the kenny pickets of the world but this is, you know, it's a position of, of potential need. Ben DiNucci still hanging around. Not a guy that's really shown you a whole lot. Uh, Cooper Rush, a free agent, might not be here. So they can very conceivably could be a day three position to look at, I would guess. Hmm. So, Dane, mm-hmm. how about some day three quarterbacks that maybe strike your fancy? Uh, the guy that immediately stands out to me is Notre Dame's Jack Cohn. Um, he is a guy that... Not the most mobile. Um, that's the you know, kind of the big thing with him. Is you wish he was a little more athletic, but his ability to find rhythm in the passing game stands out to me consistently on every single tape that I did of his. Um, and he's just he's a locked in guy. So he's you give him the play, he's gonna run the play. You know, it's not gonna. There's nothing too wild and crazy about what he does, but he's just very efficient, very by the book. Um, great guy to have in your in your locker room. So if I'm gonna, if there's a, a quarterback in this draft uh, that I would look for on day three, that I don't, I guess it depends. You're looking for an upside guy. You're looking for a guy that you know what you're getting and is going to be a quality addition to your to your quarterback room. Because if if it's the latter, then Cone's my guy. But I don't think he's ever going to be more than a backup in this league. What about like a guy like Skylar Thompson, who at Kansas State he put up the career numbers. He had mm-hmm. some injury issues. Still has. The strong arm, he has some mobility to his game as well. Yeah. He, he kind of fits right in there. He, he and Cone are right neck, neck and neck for me, but where is he in maybe that same kind of backup conversation with you? Yeah, I, I thought he was okay. I don't. There wasn't anything I came away from his tape saying, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this is a guy I definitely want to bet on or, you know, uh, look at him and say he's got a, a pro future, he's going to make a roster. Um, you know, I think if, if we're going to maybe switch the conversation to – Who's someone on day three that could evolve into something more, you know, develop into something more? Um, you know, I, Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan, yeah. he's maybe the one guy I'd look at. Junior came out early. I know a lot of scouts were, you know, why are you coming out? And uh, there's no question he could have got better by going back. 
but he's got talent to work with. I mean, he started as a true freshman at Western Michigan. Um, you know, he's when things are on time, I, things go well for him. When things are a little helter skelter, that's where things break down for him. Um, so, but if, that's why we're talking about him on day three. So, Caleb Ellaby maybe a later round name to keep an eye on if you're looking for a developmental player. This is gonna. This is ironic because this team found a franchise quarterback at pick 135, mm-hmm. but. If that's what you're looking for, give me the safe cone prospect who's never going to be better than that, but at least like you feel confident he can provide quality depth. I just way more often than not, the guys you draft on day three are not going to be Dak Prescott. Right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, now it's I'm always of the uh, belief that draft a quarterback every year or every other year. Throw, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lottery ticket. Why not, you know, t- get a scratcher and scratch off, see what you got? Because uh, you never know. Uh, one of these guys with the right system, the right infrastructure, uh, they could turn into something. And so, you know, an E.J. Perry from Brown, uh, not the biggest guy, but he can move well, and he's a really sharp kid, obvi- Ivy League. So, obviously, uh, that intelligence is there. It translates to the football field. So if we're looking for a guy that uh, maybe a little bit of both, uh, you'd think he could be a solid backup, but maybe he could be a little more. E.J. Brown or E.J. Perry from Brown would be uh, my pick there. Cannonball Cowboy wants to know about one of your Ohio guys that we, I don't think, have talked a whole lot about. Haskell Garrett, mm-hmm. Ohio State defensive tackle. You know, I, I wish I liked him more. Um, <laughs> I, he's, he's, you get the honest truth on the draft show. Well, yeah, I don't want to lie to you. I mean, he's, um, he's, I think he's, in a, he's a three, te- three technique, um, but he's just not, he doesn't make enough plays when you watch him on tape. Um, there are times, you know, he'll have a, you know, he had a touchdown, fumble recovery for a touchdown this year, and he'll make a few splash plays, but not enough that gets me excited. Uh, that, like, he's not a top 100 pick. You know, he is a guy, once you get on a day three, that you consider. Um, I mean, amazing story uh, how, you know, he got shot, breaking up a altercation uh, through the cheek, through his tongue. Um, I remember that story. I yeah. didn't realize it was Haskell Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, This and it happened like in July before the 2020 season. And he was like and making then, plays by October. He was, Yeah, he was back on the field. I mean, they, the coaches were just flabbergasted by the fact that he was able to do that when uh, he, he had such a traumatic um, you know, injury like that that had nothing to do with football. Um, you know, it, a lot of guys aren't going to work their way back from that, but he did. And so all the credit to him. Um, I, I just I think when you look at the defensive tackles in this class, he's not one of my top 10 guys. So not, not someone I think is a top 100 player. Interesting question from Ernie, and I'm, I'm putting – an embargo on the name Sky Moore for this question. That sounds yeah. great. We're not cool. going to do it. I'm good with it. But, and obviously there's uncertainty here with Amari Cooper's future. Michael Gallup, we'll have to see all of that stuff. But Ernie wants to know just about do the Cowboys need to, especially in a world where C.D. Lamb plays outside more often, do they need to consider looking at like a pure slot or a, a good slot? And again... <laughs> Don't bring up Sky Moore, but maybe some other options. Or if you really have to, that's fine. But I just think we've talked a lot about Mr. Moore to this point. Let me ask this uh, to your question. Is C.D. Lamb not a valuable person to put in the slot, or do you just want him to play outside 100% of the time? It's just a hard thing to talk about right now because we don't know. But, like, if Amari's not on this team. Then C.D.'s probably going to be outside. Or if Michael Gallup signs elsewhere. like And C.D. Lamb can play outside. 
Obviously, he'd be here, obviously. He's yeah. great in the slot too, but I mean, you might need him to do that. Mm -hmm. So, or obviously, you could draft an outside receiver. But to Ernie's question, he just wants to hear about slot receivers. Okay. What about uh, Wondell Robinson from Kentucky? Yes. Um, oh, okay. But did you see his weigh in today? No, uh, I didn't. 5'8, 178. Mm. 27 and 5 8 arms. Mm. The smallest arms I've ever, mm. ever heard of at the Combine. Dan, I, why I've, are you doing this to me? Uh, our, 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 who was our guy from UNC? Cole, uh, not Cole Beasley. Ryan um, Switzer. Ryan Switzer. Switzer. He was like 28, 29. This guy's 27, 5 eighths. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's you know, it makes your quarterback be a little more, has to be a little more perfect with his throws. And he uh, had neck injuries in college as well, kind of dealt with some different things throughout. Well, and, and Robinson, Nebraska transfer, um, you know, he's, it's just funny because he, he, he's really good making some diving grabs. And now it's like, oh, well, he had to because, you know, instead of just reaching his arms out, he had to dive for it. It's kind of like Jim Edmonds making all those catches in center field. It just wasn't fast enough. So, you know, at the Helped him make all those diving catches. Uh, so Wanda Robinson, I think, is a name to keep an, uh, on the radar as a catch-and-go guy. Um, you know, you want him working in the middle of the field, find those soft zones, let him. Uh, he's really efficient with his ability to pluck and then become a ball carrier and do something after the catch. Um, but yeah, those size dimensions uh, kind of scare you a little bit. I was reading the wrong line. He had no neck injury. I want to just go ahead and take that out of the way. Fair Dane enough. just like went straight past my dumb comment, and I'm thankful <laughs> like, for nah, that. Nah, man. He's like, no, he never had I any injuries. I was going to talk injuries. to you afterwards. I'm like, we're going to have to talk. You're going to have to no, let me know. Fill no, me in. I, I read the wrong okay. line. He's yeah, like, we, that's on me. I wrote the blurb on this guy in October. I know. <laughs> Were you reading about. Justin Ross? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, he's right below him, so that's what I was doing. Right. Look, we've all had a long week here at the Combine. Darn. It's okay. I like Wondell Robinson as a, as a true slot guy, and, and there's a couple guys in that mix. Uh, Calvin Austin the third is more of a smaller guy as well, if you wanted to kind of throw sure. small, speedy, just lightning bolts of receivers. We saw him out in Mobile. Alec Pierce could potentially play. Uh, in the slot as or no never mind I'm reading the damn the wrong line Kyle, again I am sorry together goodness Kyle. gracious I, I think that I mean, above all you want guys that can play like a CD Lamb who can play inside play outside like you give your offense flexibility mm -hmm. so you know one less reason that the defense will know what you're doing out there um, and, and so that's why a guy like um, like a John Mechie yeah you know like he can play inside outside legitimately play inside outside. And he's going to give you that roster flexibility with your wide receiver depth chart. Jahan Dotson, maybe? It, I don't think you're going to get him. I mean, unless you take him at 24, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's, true. If you want to take a receiver in the first round, uh, yeah, Dotson, I think, would be in the conversation at that point. I, I'm, I want to answer the question in the spirit that Ernie asked it, but I do think it benefits the Cowboys that CD can do a little bit of everything. Right, right. So you don't have to – I don't think you have to think about it as purely as that. Just get a receiver mm -hmm. that you like, and you'll have guys already on hand who can help you figure out where it's going. There, there you go. The, the Thank, embargo is I, over. I heard, I, heard the, I heard the ghost of Jeffrey Kavanaugh in my ear. Uh, all right. Persistence is key. I, I got to give it up to Red. Red is an NC State fan. Every time I have called for questions this week, he has asked me about two NC State players. I can't ignore it anymore. So good for you, Red. He wants to know about two of his Wolfpack guys, uh, Emeka Imezi, the receiver, yeah. and Bam Knight, the running back. Speaking of running backs. Yeah, Bam, what a name for a running back. I know, uh, right? Bam. His real first name is Zonovan, which is cool as well. Still just, cool. just as good. Yes, exactly. So he's got two cooler names than most people have one. Um, yeah, he, I, I'm eager to see what he, how he works out this week because he could be, I think, a winner 
uh, based off of some of the numbers that, that he puts up. He was just consistent for NC State the last three years. Uh, just his production is almost like a mirror image of each other from his freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And I think what he gives you is special teams value as a return man. Um, he he's, you know, can catch a ball out of the backfield. Once he clears that first wave, he's gone. So uh, Knight is a, is a really good play. I think he's a top 10 running back for me or really close. Uh, 12. So, yeah, I, I think he's – we just talked about once you get into that day three range, he's one of those guys that I think, you know, you're going to get really excited about possibly adding to your club. I'm starting to get intrigued. I, I said at the top of the show I wasn't. I'm changing my tune. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do with some of these guys that we mm-hmm. have this year. All right, we'll finish this off with this. And, we, I mean, we've talked about him before. I think there's a handful of, like, lightning rod prospects in this draft – and Jordan Davis is definitely one of them. Right. Cody wants I, Cody wants to revisit the conversation because the thing about Jordan Davis, and we do this every time there's a nose tackle, is two down player, positional value. Does he do enough to be worth a high pick? And Cody's question is more along the lines of, if he's amazing at what he does, does it matter if he has limitations? Or And Dane, I don't think we've talked to you about Jordan Davis. Do you think he has those limitations? Like, is he that type of, of nose tackle type of guy that's that's worth spending that high of a pick on, in your opinion? It's it's a very loaded conversation because I, d- I think it depends on um, how much you're going to play him. Uh, the big difference between Jordan Davis, his junior year to his senior year, he dropped from like 30-some snaps a game on defense to like 24 snaps a game on defense. So taking that away, it really freed him up to be a lot more fresh, to uh, give more energy on a snap-to-snap basis. But if you're drafting a guy like that in the first round, you want him playing more than 24 snaps a game. And once that snap count goes up, I think his effectiveness will go down, not a ton, but slightly. And if, if you have one series uh, and you need you know, four snaps out of him, he will tear you up. But if you want him making consistent impact throughout all four quarters throughout the course of a game that's where I think you run into trouble in terms of can he give you the same uh same physical impact every single snap and that's that, that's where I struggle because I think like he's gonna at three whatever he's gonna be 350 he's he might run five flat in the 40 like he's a freak but uh, when you start to stack up snap after snap after snap that's where his effectiveness goes down so I I don't see the pass rush potential on tape um, if I'm looking for a nose uh, a nose tackle in the first round who's going to be a dominant run player, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would take him somewhere in the late first round. But I think if you're expecting more than that, I'm not sure that you're necessarily like, – he's not Vita Vea. Um, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he's on that level of player. Now, even with that, do you anticipate him doing the majority of the drills throughout the week? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have the athletic testing. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be off the charts. He will. So does that show it's just more endurance, or is it more motor? What What is it that is lacking so severely to where Georgia said, hey, we got to take you off the field for 75% of the snaps during a national championship season? Yeah, it's, it's just to keep him at peak performance. And, yeah. you know, they added a, a program like Georgia, they can do that because the depth chart is yeah, so, they've got so deep. Rotations. So, and, you know, that, that, they do that a lot. They, no one rotates more in defense than Georgia because they can afford to. Um, and so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting what a team asks him to do wherever he lands. Uh, if they play him, you know, same type of deal, they play him more. But I, I think they're, it's kind of a buyer beware thing if you're going to ask him to play more snaps. Which, and Cody, I think Cody worded this question really, really well. And he brings up the point of like, all right, let's say, mm. let's say you play 28 snaps. Mm-hmm. But what if 
what if six of those are third, fourth, and short or goal line plays, and he gives you the potential to right. dominate in that situation? Does that make him more valuable? It's almost like uh, I was having a conversation with someone the other night about uh, Matt Ariza, the punter from San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Is he a value? Is he worthy? Because think of him as a defender, a defensive player. Yeah. Because of what he does, uh, you know, in terms of. Uh, pinning the other team back and putting them in in, uh, in an advantageous uh, uh, situations, I you can make an argument that he is a defensive player worthy of top 100 consideration because of what he can do. Same type of conversation with Jordan Davis about what he does really well, and I think if you're a team that that's what that's what you need, uh, like you know just drop that in and you're a, a much better team. You can make that argument, but not every, I don't think every other team, you know, not every team is at that point in their roster where it's just that simple, Yeah, you know, the, where they can just do that, and that's the missing piece. Well, and there's also the flip side of it. If you don't want to use them on third down and fourth down, what about using them first and second down? And sure, right. then you're, you, if you're and stopping the run on first and second down, keeping it at third and eight, third and nine. A team that employs Micah Parsons could also benefit greatly mm. from that type of presence uh, as well. The, the only other thing with that is you're going to get gamesmanship from opponents who are going to go quick game, and yeah. they're not going to let you sub, you know, because they understand. They're hey, going to try if, and get them off the field. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they're going to keep them on the field. So, the, mm-hmm. you know, make them play on third down. So it's, you know. Uh, second and ten, and you get eight yards. Okay, quick game. They got they got to play ready. So third and two, uh, you know, it would it's 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 a quick out throw, and you know, there's there's nothing you can be able to do about getting Jordan Davis off the field and getting your sub package in. So it it, it, it does, uh, you know, I think you could look at it that way and say, you know, it's it, it's not as cut and dry as just okay, he'll play this snap, we'll take him out, and you know, we'll be a better defense. You personally, where do you start to feel comfortable drafting him? Um, if the situation's right, um, anywhere in the back half of first round, you know. So I, you said that a minute ago. You sounded kind of like, eh, like not for me, maybe. But it, it depends on the situation of my roster. If I feel like a, a dominating nose tackle who can be a, a dominant run defender is one of the few, very few things I'm missing, then I would be all over that because that that's what I need. But if I'm, you know, a team with plenty of other needs. I feel good about getting Travis Jones in the second round out of UConn. I feel good about uh, addressing the position later on uh, and getting another nose tackle. I don't have to use a first-round resource on on a guy if I don't need to. Um, And so that's kind of how I look at Davis. Fair enough. We're... Cutting it a little bit short, unfortunately. We got drills to watch. The work (laughs) of the Combine goes on, even though we are done podcasting for the week. Guys, this... Dane... It's so good. It was so good to be back with you, man. Feels at home. I hope this isn't the last time we have you on this year. I agree. Uh, This was an absolute blast. I love coming to Indy. I hope we're back in Indy next year. I guess we'll see how all of that unfolds. (laughs) But another wonderful week at the Combine. We really appreciate all of y'all for listening. We will be back next week with the whole kit and caboodle. You, Kyle, you and I. There it is. Jeff will be back from the slopes at that point. Hopefully he's all in one piece. And, uh, yeah, we got plenty more draft content. This is just the beginning, man. This is is where it starts to get fun. This is where we ramp up. So thank you all for tuning in. We will see you all next time on the draft show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!